Welcome to the Epic Vision Zone. My guest today has been referred to as a superwoman. She crosses continents, convinces an international roster of clients to move in new directions and takes care of business and family. She is Argentinian born and the founder, principal and creative director of Block Design and living life fully and in a way that many professional women would find inspiring. Toronto-based Block Design is well-known both at home in Canada and abroad, producing work that is both timeless and beautifully executed. Her award-winning designs work across media and disciplines, including graphics and identity, products and packaging, editorial, websites, and more. Known for her passion for taking on initiatives that blend cultural awareness, humanity, and a love of art to advance society and business alike, her experiences living and working in Buenos Aires, LA, New York, Mexico City, and Toronto have given Block Design a unique international perspective that is recognized and awarded around the world. Her work is represented in the permanent collection of the Royal Ontario Museum, as well as the Library of Congress in Washington. Her considerable experience includes top global brands such as Nike, Pepsi, Nestle, and the Museum of Modern Art Miami, among many others. Her work is frequently published in leading books, periodicals, and design blogs, and has been exhibited in countries from Japan to Germany, and recently, or more recently, in the Tamayo Museum in Mexico. She holds an MFA from the Art Center in Pasadena, and welcome, Vanessa. Oh my gosh, so, so nice to have you here. Thank you so much, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So, have you always been an entrepreneur? It feels to me that you, you may be a serial entrepreneur, and if so, what attracts you to the life of entrepreneurship? I, I think I have, I think, actually, I know I have. I was selling my own drawings at age five around the neighborhood. So I assume that makes me a very early entrepreneur. But, uh, but what truly attracts me, um, it's always been about just exploring further, seeing further. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested in challenges. I'm interested in, in finding the spaces in between. And, um, and that, that takes a sort of curiosity at heart. And I think that's what motivates me in general. So were your parents entrepreneurs as well? You know what, my, my father is definitely an entrepreneur. He had his own company. Uh, but I think that the entrepreneur is not only that we've learned, it isn't just that my father was an entrepreneur, like he had his, his company. It was more the way he uh, taught us how to see, like the conversations we had. And it was always about a wider vision, a more expansive understanding of the interconnectedness of things. And I think that's where, that, that is the, I think the essence of an entrepreneur is that you're always excited about uh, finding these opportunities or interconnecting social issues with economical issues or market issues or human issues and philosophy always at the core. When you're in that type of conversation, I don't think you, you can, everything feels a little tight. Structures feel tight. And, and maybe for me, it might be less about um, is my family an entrepreneur, but did, did I, was I brought up with uh, the idea that um, rules are there to sustain, but, uh, but you need to push them and break them to, to lead. And when you have that in your family, you, you just want to break free. And I think that's where my heart normally is. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh, to have that kind of table talk. You know, it really, I think it, it influences uh, you when you're young, especially. So I can see a lot of that in your, in your work, but also in your personality. And you have been known internationally um, and recognized and awarded. What is block design to you and how would you describe the work that you do? You know, I've always uh, thought about block design as a space, a space that connects, that inspires. I mean, it's always been about the opportunity that the space gives me and the studio and the people working. I mean, we are a team um, and a collaborative team. We're small to be able to do really creative work, but it's always been about um, having a playground to, to push further and explore. 
Um, and, and at that intersection where we start finding different, different mediums, film, architecture, um, music, that, that's, that's what brings, makes Block an interesting space to, to experiment because that, it has that morphous, it has that porousness mm -hmm. to, to push things forward. And what, what we do in general is, you know, beyond what we can say is that, you know, we do branding and we do exhibit designs, what we do is truly bring value. And that's what we're interested in, in working with companies, people, organizations, culture um, that have value and then want to sort of explore how to take it further. So that's, I think, what we, we do. We actually play, play a lot, you know, and have a, too much fun. Right, right. Well, that's what makes your passion into profits. Uh, I mean, it really does come from the heart. And you mentioned in our conversation that you don't take on clients that you don't really like. You know, yeah. it's, it's not just the money. It, it's really, it has to, it has, you have to have that connection. You know, it, it's, it, it always sounds um, like a, a very comfortable place to do that. But what people don't understand is that you, you're the one that carves that space. Mm. Like you have to carve that space. So early on when I was starting, I couldn't afford not to take a client. But I knew that the only way I was going to get to where I wanted creatively was to be able to do the work that brought the clients that I, that I wanted to work with. And, and many times, you know, I turned down jobs that, that had a, a big paycheck. But, you know, for me, that was never my motivation. I think when you love what you do, you get paid. And the, and, and the more you do it, the better you get paid. But the reality is that the, the payment is a consequence of doing exactly what you love to do. And, and without that motivation, creativity does not happen. Creativity does not come with a paycheck. It comes with intent. It comes with, you know, it, it's like a tsunami that is in you that needs to be fed. You don't feed it inspiration and you don't feed it within that. It cannot keep on growing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so there's very, very clear reasons why I kept, you know, people call it purpose, but I just kept with a philosophy. And the philosophy was, let's just keep on doing the good work and with, with good people, people that I want to be, having a great conversation at three in the morning. I don't know why I always say three, but for me, it's a three in the morning conversation must just get you to the depths of things, you know, like yeah. people just, you know, are just there enjoying a good conversation. If I want to be with clients at three in the morning, having a conversation about any subject in the world, the other type of, of then you forget work and it's humanity. Right. And the type of uh, clients that we actually have. I love that you put, I, I was remembering what you just said because I use you speak in quotes and I just love that about you and you said payment is a consequence and that is so eloquent because it is a consequence of you um, providing a service for people uh, that you're connected with um, so yeah very very profound so you have a spirit of adventure that injects life into your work and life and you mentioned that your nomadic spirit has led you to where you needed to go. Have you always trusted your intuition in both life and business? And do you recommend more women do so and why? No, I mean, I think we've all learned, you know, I, I, I've had a path that took me to many places and I've had to start again many times. It is, you know, for personal reasons, we had to move from one country to another um, and start my studio again and and all those experiences are incredibly humbling but incredibly transformative i always think that you know not that far from the butterfly idea um my name happens to be butterfly so i, I think i'm living up my name oh, I'm like, oh, really? my again you know i didn't and, and know people, that yes i didn't know it till i figured it out recently somebody told me you know your name and i'm like oh, it makes all the sense of the world this is why life keeps on challenging me yeah. and and i think the the key is that you know, um, we might be sitting here and it seems like we, we have all these answers. Actually, we don't. The beauty is that we, we are in a constant quest and I am personally, I am, I am, um, I, I feed from this quest. It's, it's a search that, that I need from a creative point of view, but I also need from a philosophy point of view, a philosophical point of view. So no, intuition was something that I, that I connected to, but didn't value till much later on in life when I understood that the best decisions were actually the ones that many times didn't have the, the, the perfect answer. Many times they didn't have an answer. That I had to actually be able to 
ask the question and hold the opportunity for that answer to present itself to me. And it is incredibly philosophical, but to be honest, it has been the more practical. You know, people, there's, there's all these spaces that society wants us to live. You're practical. Practical doesn't mean you go and you grab your coffee. Practical means having the tools that actually serve you to, to go where you need to do. That also has not only philosophic, but it has real value in, in the way you move. And, um, and, I, and I started to understand that the way I moved was about my flow, was about connecting to that intuition. Intuition for me is a porous membrane. It isn't something out there or in here. It is actually a porous membrane that has a knowing. And the more I feed that knowing, the more it actually uh, uh, responds uh, uh, with, 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 with that knowing, with that inspiration to serve the, the, the right decision-making for me. And it's in the gut. I know when the client is right. I know when the client is wrong. And when I feel it, and the, the times I haven't listened, I thought, oh my goodness, I should have said no. I knew it. Sometimes my, my kindness kicks in or generosity kicks in. I thought maybe I should give him a try and it actually is a wrong client or it's a wrong decision. Right. So we all need to listen or learn to listen to our, our gut, our intuition. I yes. think we all need to, to learn to listen and also to understand that, that, that you actually need to listen for it to be fair. For it to, you know, for, if you don't, if you just listen, you actually have to understand that it is a working membrane of your body. Like we know, our, you know, we, 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 we make our brain, we read books, we research, we, and, and we expand our minds. And so how do we expand our intuition? And, and that expansion is about giving it opportunity to actually keep on growing and keep on absorbing information that will inform us. Uh, the other day, somebody was telling me, uh, a friend of mine, uh, that the connections to the brain, there's more connections to the heart that, than there are to the brain. And, and you know, we forget that. We don't actually, I thought that was brilliant because sometimes when we work from there, Mm -hmm. The brain just needs to make sense of it, not the other way around. Right. And that's absolutely true. Now with technology, we have the science that's proving so much more. And, and it is true that we connect more with the heart. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it really, it make it, when you look at it that way, and now that we have the science, of course, to prove it, but it puts a whole new perspective on, you know, heart-led, you know, like many women are heart-led. But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to move on. That was beautiful, by the way. And I'm going to move on to one of my very favorite subjects and yours as well. I'm a huge proponent of imagination and creativity. And you said that artfulness and artful thinking come from play. Now, you touched a little bit on that before, but what do you mean by that? And how can we, is there any strategies or thoughts that you have to stimulate that? I, you know, I, it's funny, but because I do think that um, very similar to how we feed our, our own intuition, creativity is something that has to be in a state of becoming. It has to be existing with you consistently. So, you know, I, I always tell my kids, you know, it, it's, it's like an empty vessel. If you feed it the, the richness, it can give richness. If you don't, there is nothing you can do but you have to also let yourself go in it. So experiencing mm -hmm. everything from the simple things that seem so simple, but actually when you put them in their own space, become extraordinary. Like that, it, and, and I think the beauty of the ordinary, that joy that we, we find in the market and sometimes the simplest of things. Uh, for me, it's the same as traveling or reading a book that you know, has the perfect phrase. It's not even what it says, sometimes it's the word that becomes a doorway to an entire thinking, mm. to everything else that you might feed it from the arts to, to a conversation, to poetry, to... So um, my understanding of creativity is to make sure that you consistently are open to finding opportunities versus trying, like letting yourself go through it, letting yourself flow. Mm. And through that flow, you discover. When you try to push it, it actually never shows up because there's nothing there that, that can feed it. And I think it's in the, in the simple, you know, moments of getting lost that many times um, that creativity is flowing. 
Yes, getting lost, but finding your way back. Yeah. Always, you know, yeah, always. always. But I think that is, that is the cycle. And, and I, I think I shared this with you, but again, my, my father uh, raised us with one phrase. It's still in his emails. He, when he went digitally, he put it in his email. <laughs> Which, but you know, I, it's a T.S. Eliot phrase that says, um, a quote, you, you will not cease from exploration. And at the end of your exploring will be to arrive where you started and see the place for the first time. So, so if you think about Beautiful. the creative soul, that's exactly it, but it's for life as well. This idea that you no need to arrive, you know, creativity is not about arrival. It is not about, oh my, the idea. For me, the, the idea sometimes take years. Mm-hmm. And when they click, I'm thinking, oh my God, it took this long, this long. <laughs> and then the opportunity and the time and the convergence and the contradictions suddenly overlap yeah. for the project to take place. But I have been thinking about it sometimes for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that idea that things can settle in you and you leave them, you let them go a little bit. They stay, they, they, you know, they're, they're doing their own little like movement. And at the right point, those are the ones that become the great ideas. People think they're, but no, they're the ones that you've been actually working for the last 25 years. Yes, they've been percolating. Percolating is a word. You know, my Spanish sometimes likes to fly into. <laughs> I love it. I it's beautiful because you describe it. Um, because you, you know, but yeah, they're they're growing. Is what they're. Uh, someone said um, because we did talk about failure, and we'll get into that. But uh, one of my other interviews said that failure is fertilizer. Yes. It's not, it's not failure. It's fertilizer. So it's it's being put aside for something to grow. Exactly. So that's high, kind of what you're referring to is creativity. You have that seed of an idea. And sometimes, you know, you say if you force it, it, it really won't come. But if you let it go and it's, it's there, but it's growing. And then when everything comes together and the cosmos align, that's when the time is that it needs to bloom. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we sometimes forget and, and conceptualize that an idea is a thing. Idea is mm. not a thing. Ideas are thoughts, emotions, movements. So many times what they're looking for is the diverse interconnectedness that you actually don't have at the time. You're missing something. Mm-hmm. And, and because that's what we think. We always think, well, it's a concept, it's idea, it's, it's something that is formed. But actually it is much more ambiguous than that. But because it's hard to, to express ambiguity or hold ambiguity or hold paradox. The most interesting projects for me are always the ones that are in contradiction. There's always a point of tension, of contradiction. And at that point, that point was things are not quite clear, balancing, finding the balance between those points of contradiction. That's when, when great art or architecture or film happen in those spaces in between. But uh, so I think sometimes you're just waiting for these other, these other interconnected elements to show up for this to find a balance, you know, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't without it. And sometimes the balance is with contradictory forces. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, you have to write a book now on creativity. <laughs> no, I've got you I, I, I just feel it as of now, but maybe soon. Yes, no. So I don't, well, we, we've had an earlier conversation, so that's on an aside, but you've moved around and started over several times in your life and seeing resilience as a virtue means having endured adversities while transforming them into opportunities for renewal. What cultivates a resilient mindset and what would you say to women with challenges in their business and their lives right now? I think that what the, I think the key for me is always to recognize something that is very difficult to recognize at the time when everything seems like it's falling on you or, whenever, or when you need to start again or when, or when things shatter which is that you actually have a choice. Mm-hmm. For me, that the, the understanding and the knowing that the choice is yours uh, is, is the opening of, of the door to be able to become resilient. And, but resilience uh, and actually I think happiness comes from understanding that when you do surpass that challenge, it's just you. And that you is the one that brings all, all the marvels of the world. It's, it's why you see difference. It's why you sense the world difference. It's why you connect differently. Because I think what it makes us is so vulnerable, so fragile, that there's nothing outside that um, has a perceived value. 
because we discover exactly who we are, what motivates us, what our purpose is, what, what, what truly is the source of, of our joy. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment we, we, are not come, when we, we uncover that, it starts opening to possibilities. For me, it's always been, you know, having to let go, having to let go of, of you know, in some cases, the idea of a studio or, or, or some illusion that I had of where I thought things could be. And when I finally do let go, I find myself that everything is much, much more interesting than I could ever imagine. Right. But again, I think we, we you know, it's, I, I, and this I discovered not long ago is that I actually like that edge, the edge mm-hmm. where I'm holding ground and where I'm ready to fall off the cliff. And some part of my body and in my, not my brain, definitely, most probably my body, my heart, thinks it's going to fly, although I might just land and actually die. But I think I hold that, that hope that I'm going to fly. But in that space where I'm standing yet to leap, still holding, I see further than I could ever see. That is the place I love, creatively, personally. So, so I'm attracted to challenges because I'm attracted to, to how far I can see. Um, right. And I, I, I cross my... Cross I went with my kids through the Trans-Siberian train for a month and, um, and we just did it as an adventure of another, yet another challenge I need to, to overcome. And as I was crossing Mongolia uh, in the Gobi Desert and, and a friend of mine told me, you're going to the Gobi Desert to go be. And I understood his, clearly his message. The vastness of that land, which actually had very little mm-hmm. um, and, the, and, the, and the clouds that showed uh, on that land and seeing that those clouds were the only ones that gave dimension to that land. Mm. That, that's sometimes what we need. Sometimes we need those clouds to actually give us the dimension that we need. And then I realized that land was my land. You know, Mongolia was my land. The stars close enough that felt like they were falling. The clouds close enough to see shadows, to see light. And so vast, mm. you could feel the world had no end. That, that actually is a, that is, that when I, when I see further, I'm always standing looking at my Mongolian landscape. Well, that, that actually, you just segued beautifully into my next question, but you already touched on it because we, we talked about taking risk and becoming an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and making changes. And we talked about the perspective of risk and living on the edge. And you said that that's where you see the possibilities because but you also did mention that taking action, um, you know, embracing that uncertainty because a lot of us stay stuck. And you said risk is to stay stuck if you view it that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, but I know we had a great conversation on, on you know, the, uh, the ability to see it as something that has possibilities. Well, actually, I mean, this is a subject I'm very passionate about just because it's, again, it was in me and I was many times, I'm solving it myself. And I, I, and I ask my questions and I try to solve them by doing. I, I test them in myself. So, for example, I took the studio to Berlin uh, last, uh, last summer, which now sounds incredible that we did it because it took me four years to finally decide, okay, this is a year we might not have all the money we wanted. But we'll just, you know, we're six people. We'll just move to Berlin, rent apartments. And, but what I wanted to prove to myself wasn't just how it felt to work outside of the, in a different environment, which I did. It was actually embracing uncertainty, to put us in the unfamiliar, to, to get out of the familiar into the unfamiliar and see a new. And I find that, you know, that, that I, I like that shift of perspective. I like seeing things from different dimensions, that, that is part of what I do every day, but sometimes you actually have to act on it. It's not enough to use it in your work, it's not enough. You truly have to act on it and let yourself see what comes from it. Let yourself be uncomfortable. Um, I, there was a lot of questions that I wanted uh, to ask myself as I was doing this journey, but you have to let it go. So. Uh, designing uncertainty was what I came up to this idea that it's not just enough to leave it to uncertainty. You actually have to make space for uncertainty to happen. Mm. You have to give yourself the space 
not to want to resolve everything, not to want to control everything. Because if you don't give that space, then, then you, you're not able ever to leave the patterns and the sequences and everything that feels linear in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think living in Mexico, uh, th- there's so many concepts that I explored in different ways. And this is, I enjoy this. So this is me normally. But chaos, chaos wasn't something I was attracted to. If you see my background, it's pretty clean. <laughs> so my chaos exists in my mind and in my heart. But then Mexico was all chaotic. And Argentina is chaotic as well, but not at the layer of, Mexico had chaos in culture, it had historical chaos, it had, and it was more, more than just chaos, it was just layering, richness in the layering, in the textures. So sometimes you need those concepts to, to get you, to get in your heart so you can at least, you can then understand where they come from. And if you don't do that, then you, you can't get out of your comfort zone into a space where you haven't even discovered. Right. Oh, that, that's put so beautifully. You're absolutely right. Because if we, if we remain in our comfort zone, because let's face it, it is comfortable. Uh, but if we do that, then we're, we're not availing ourselves of what could be. Because beyond that comfort zone could be the next step into possibilities, which could open up a whole new world for you. Yeah. And then I think there's things, when I came back from Berlin, I, I went to Berlin thinking, um, you know, is there a way that I could run a studio and work from many places? You know, creativity isn't something you just do digitally. You, you actually, there's an energy in, in a group and then collaboration. So could I ever do this and do this? Like, you know, next year we go to Mexico to work or, or Turkey or South Africa. These are all places we actually had in our list for, for this year. Um, but it's funny because of, of the, because what we lived in Berlin, my team re- got into this situation, COVID, with a completely different understanding. One of the understanding of uncertainty, because they never had never experienced that. Some had barely traveled. To the 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 doing this experience put us in a situation where we had to go into this sort of digital flow uh, much faster. So mm-hmm. so what we discovered is that having without knowing thrown ourselves into that experience where we're living out of a yellow box, more or less, uh, uh, brought us into a knowing to, to receive this one. Right. And I think that is always what's interesting is that you never know how it's gonna affect or influence the decisions you make later on. We were thinking about, it, it goes further, we were thinking about a world value-wise and, and, and movement-wise that actually arrived. So our thinking was, how can we do? So we were already thinking about new models of studio that isn't digital or collaborative, like that they had some type of different paradigm. Mm. And, and so we're just testing models throughout and seeing, okay, what is the new paradigm? And how, how do you, how do you it, it's never um, black or white or, or gray, or like it's always, it's always a blur. So finding ourselves within those questions are, are interesting to us. Yes, absolutely. And you can put me on your list for a new employee when you start. <laughs> you you and pretty much every creative director of agencies that, are, that literally have the top job. They're like, Vanya, can we go with you? I'm like, I can't afford you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll make it work. <laughs> you know, it's the, the possibilities are there. You never know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was creatively and story and humanity. It paid so um, much more to yeah. us, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you're on everybody's top list to work for, too. So <laughs> that'll work out. So you, you stated a quote from T.S. Eliot that I thought was beautiful. And it, it went like this. We do not know what we see. We see what we know. What does that quote, why does that quote speak to you and, and what do you feel that it means? So I think actually that's a Piaget quote. Okay. We don't know what we see, we see what we know. Um, what it means for me is a little bit what we were talking about, that it is so easy for us to find preconceptions and stay stuck within our world, within our parameters, within, you know, it's almost, you know, the narrowness of, our, of both our lives our possibilities, the way we interact, and with whom we interact. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we keep with the same circles, we keep with the same conversations. And what is interesting for me is always being the periphery. It's mm. always been 
what's on the edges of this. I mean, I think that's why I like the edge, but you know, we, we even if I say the word edge, it has a preconception in everybody's mind what edge means. And the, the only thing edge means, it's actually the spaces we haven't explored. You know, the edge was for the people who, you know, were looking for new land. What was the edge of the world? So those spaces are the blurs, the blurry spaces that, you know, those the frontiers emotionally and geographically that are blurred. Those are interesting places for me to, to, mm -hmm. to see because from there you see, you see a new, you see differently. Right. And I think that is the, that I think is what um, excites us as a studio, excites me as a person is how can we rethink uh, a society right now, especially given this moment mm -hmm. and rethink, you know, the way we, we connect, interrelate and what can we do, not from the place we're at, but from a place we are not. Mm. and it's a very different place and it, it humbles you and it opens you and I think it just gives to you um, in so many ways because you truly are coming to it from a, from, because, you, because you don't, you're not carrying the weight of your world you're freeing yourself to, to, to become or to be free to see things and experience things differently right, right Wow, I'm just getting in a whole zone now. <laughs> I love it. I'm, so I wanna I wanna repeat this that you said in our earlier conversation. I know you've touched on this, but you said we are hungry souls. Creativity is not a tool, it's a flow. What seems mundane becomes extraordinary. So you touched on it being a flow. Uh, can you unravel that a little bit more? Because what you've done is you, for me, when you say flow, you've put energy into it. You've put emotion into it. And of course, emotion is energy in motion. And that's what creativity is, how it speaks to me as well. But maybe you could just speak a little on that to our audience. You know, I, it is, it, this, it's, it's difficult to sometimes express this in this way, but I've got, I know lately I've been, doing a lot of, of like the tornado, like emotion when I talk about creativity. But I think it's because it feels that way to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is an energetic um, motion that keeps on adding things into, into it, into you. And it is, we, we, when you, you know, there was a project that maybe most probably I was talking about that because the, there's a project that um, I'm jumping into it. It has, a social element and, um, and it is an intersection where I'm hoping that we're gonna be able to create a space for more conversation, more debate, more energy into creativity, but also into city and relevant issues. Mm. And when I think about this, which I'm jumping out now, honestly, because I felt that this moment right now needed it. And it's again, been in my soul for a very long time, but the time is now to start building on this. Um, and it's a nonprofit. It doesn't have economical. When I when I think about that project, what I what I think about it is that we need we need more energies. We need to generate. We need to inspire. And from that that creativity is needs that enrichment. We, we mm. it's, it begs for it. Um, when when you're working within this space, it's a, it's an intangible space, and it's an incredibly magical space. And I always feel that we're lucky to inhabit it. And I, I think it's maybe part of my purpose to be able to show people that don't have the possibilities to see it, that it is a healing space as much as it is a, a space where you inhabit, where you live. The moment you were able to, to, to connect to it, you're actually connecting to nature. You're connecting to the pounding mm -hmm. of a lot of the things that make life so incredibly joyful and magical. Because uh, creativity is essence. It's the essence yes. that you find in, 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 an, in an object from the most soulful design to the essence you found, find in architecture. When an architecture has sound, when, when an architecture actually not makes you feel, but it also makes you listen. Mm -hmm. And that same energy and that same soulfulness you find in a leaf or in nature just by, by going through the river. And when those things start to connect, it actually 
is it's a living it's it's a living being and i always feel like it's a river and i always feel like it's just flowing through me uh one way or the other it's just begging to exist and it's begging to be inspired so my motivation is always that i'm hungry hungry to to connect to that i'm hungry to connect to a thinking that is deep uh you know uh, uh an, an art piece a sculpture that its forms are just like, you know, so sensual. I just don't know what to do with myself because it's just telling me a story that I had never connected to. And that right. makes me, and that's part of that. It, it gets you to see the world in you. So consistently, it's just feeding your, your, your essence. Yes, it's beautiful. It's like a journey. It, it's... it is, and it's, 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 very, it's a connection. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's about the sensibility by which you connect to the world. And, and I think we insinuate ourselves into the world with our own sensibilities. And when you're at, you're, you're at heart with that, then that connection becomes effortless. Mm. And, I, and through that effortlessness, we, we start, um, I think, bringing more of us, manifesting more of our understanding of the world. And that's, I think, what we do as creatives. We, you know, we, we might be working on projects, but we're manifesting the way we feel and we understand the world in many ways mm -hmm. and it's a personal journey and it's a personal and it's all personal at the end of the day oh yeah it it, it definitely is and and it's it's what you make of the journey so to make of yeah it. comes full circle so in business you believe we all need to have a healthy perspective of success versus failure and you mentioned first we must try and learn lessons along the way that failure should not be embraced and be allowed to go where it needs. Oh, no, you said that failure should be embraced and be allowed to go where it needs to go. So I love that viewpoint of that. And maybe you could just speak a little bit more on that. Well, I, yeah, I have, uh, this is a subject I, I enjoy very much. Again, I was raised with great parents. I, I, I still thank them. So every time something went wrong, they wouldn't even call it failure. They would, you know, uh, suggest that we send a bottle of champagne because in Argentina, that was the most expensive thing you could ever possibly imagine <laughs> to whoever, was it a teacher because I failed or was it a, it, it didn't matter. There was always a element of thankfulness for the learning. And I think to embrace that idea that you actually should be thankful for whatever learnings come through you, no matter how hard they are, that is something that is, um, seems, seems, you know, almost like a cliche, but actually it changes a chip in you. And um, so my, 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 my uh, understanding of failure is that I don't actually believe in it. It's mm -hmm. not that I want to just embrace failure. I don't ever consider things to be failures, even if the world might. I'm not saying the world might not. I always think that it, whatever project we have, that maybe didn't achieve what it needed to achieve, I'm still pushing it. I haven't, I haven't stopped. So if it didn't arrive to where I wanted to arrive, I still have a chance, I, you know, I have a life to make it exactly what I want to do it. And if it's not the first one, it'll be the second. And if it's the third, and if it stopped by any chance at a point, I think it's a stepping stone to whatever other place I might want to go. I, it's, it's always been for me, um, that again, I think it's that relationship of letting go and knowing that what you learn is what shapes you. Mm. And that is part of it. It's not just about, you know, and with the same token, I never see successes to be, oh my goodness, I'm standing here. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a Chinese uh, uh, saying that says, you know, if you get to the top of the mountain, there's only one step mm. and that's down. And so I never found it interesting to get to that top. I'd much rather be climbing it. And, and, in, and in that, find the energy. And sometimes I change ideas and I'm like, oh my God, that mountain next door is more interesting. And I might jump and go back to the bottom <laughs> and start again. But the, the, the conceptually, I think that we, we've gone from failure to success and then we are teaching everybody, well, you need failure to succeed. Actually, you don't need any of those. You just mm -hmm. need to understand that whatever you need to do, you learn. And if this doesn't work out, try again or try different. You keep on learning. And that flowing of those learnings is a much better way for me than that binary concept of success or failure. And right. the richness that you receive 
is the one that actually um, is going to end up taking you exactly where you hoped, or maybe further, or maybe in a place you'd never really imagined. You said that in business, many of us get stressed about our next client or our next order. And you said, if you come from the right place, there will be a soulful attraction. And that taking on a project is not about the assignment, but about the people and the possibilities. And you mentioned a couple things about, you know, not stressing because a lot of us, when we're starting, especially entrepreneurs, that's at the top of our mind because of what you just said, you know, there's success and then there's failure. So we're constantly measuring ourselves. And when you said that, that there's a soulful attraction, um, just let us know what you mean by that, because I wholeheartedly believe that as well. But for those that are more linear in their thinking and they measure everything, maybe you can give them a little insight into what that means. So again, this is, this, this is, this has been a learning for me. This is not something, you know, that, uh, you understand this way of moving and working, uh, n by chance. Um, when you are an entrepreneur and you have a design company that actually has such a philosophical perspective, you risk so much more than if you didn't. Mm. Because if I had to, like, you know, it would have been very easy for me to have a very big company um, that is billing. And, I, and I, I chose a path that was right for me. Not, not all the paths are good. All the paths are the right path for you. There's mm. people that care. So, the reason I say is that sometimes there's preconceptions of, of why, why, why one thinks one way or the other. In my case, I learned, like I learned as I went, as I had the studio, I've had the studio for 20 years in different countries, um, that there was nothing I gained by stressing about if I was going to have the money or not the money in the clients, that actually all my intentions and all my efforts had to be put into the work that I wanted to do. And when the work wasn't there to actually carve my, the work I wanted to mm -hmm. attract the people that I wanted. So it, 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 since I started in a, in, a, in a career that actually was trying to be very linear, I, I was pushed in, you know, when I was getting my master's degree, it was all about specialization. Mm. I had a, my take was very much uh, my take on life, which was I'm actually the opposite. I want intersectionality, I want the expansiveness. But the world was pushing to a different model. Now it's open. I've been working like this for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And again, this has nothing to do with what's right or what's wrong. This has to do with what's right with you and not always the models out there serve uh, your, your, your soul, your heart, your, your, what, what feels right to you. Within those paradigms, to be able to do philosophically this, I had to let go of, of these elements of knowing that if I put the, if I was able to put the energy in the projects that I wanted, the way I wanted, the people that really I wanted to work with would actually be attracted to the studio and attracted to, to the energy coming from the studio because we were in the same frequency, because we were doing the mm. work that they needed to be done. Mm. In, in, in our case, if our, 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 I always say that our projects are as good as the last project, not my career. It's mm -hmm. not about, oh my God, how successful. I, I actually don't value it. I, I value it if today we're doing good work and tomorrow we're doing better work. And better doesn't mean the work we did wasn't good. The work we did had a time, had a period, expressed a moment, had needed values, timelessness. But every day I want to be doing work that is relevant, that is important, that is important to me, that connects, that it has purpose and is human and makes me happy. Right. Actually, you know, and all of this brings me joy. Yes. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't bring me joy, and if it's not a space, I can't show my kids that this is what this is about. Mm -hmm. and, and again, um, the carving of your space is important. So when we didn't have, you know, the clients that we needed, mm -hmm. uh, or, or the clients that step back, that we didn't have, uh, when we had some clients that we, projects that we wanted and we were hoping to get um, projects within other spaces, we made the point to literally generate projects that would answer to that, to that space. So ah, we, we've published books within, you know, 
um, one of the biggest sort of environmental challenges in Mexico City because mm -hmm. we had a chance to do it. Or we, you know, now we are responding to this scenario that we have right now that is political because it's important mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've always generated our own projects as a way to shape the work we wanted and, right. to, and to let this flow in a way that would come back. Yes, I, that makes complete sense to me. It's, it's putting in that frequency that's going to go out there and attract those individuals to you. Yes, yes. yes. And I always think it's, it's about the conversation. You, know, you can bring it down to a very simple thing. What are the conversations you want to have? Mm. And I want to be in those conversations. So what are the projects I, I'm attracted to that ask those questions that are in the, the, that conversation that I'm interested in? And in many cases, these are subjects I have no idea about. That, that's the other thing I think is important because many times we jump into spaces that we have no experience. And, and, and that is, and many times we ask, but why if you've never worked on this? That's because we come anew. We have so much experience and so many, but we come to this with all the other experience, but seeing anew. Mm. And that gives us a perspective that is so different. Mm -hmm. but, it's, but it's what we're excited about is because we don't know enough about it that yes. we need to learn again and again. Mm. I love that. Lifelong learners. In fact, that was my question. How important do you feel that is, is being a lifelong learner? It's, it's, it's a life journey. Like okay. it's basically an, a, a life learner of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a quest. It's a personal quest. And as somebody said, if, you know, you might not find everything, but if you don't start searching, you'll never, you, you'll never get close. Right. And, and I always find that if you start walking, at least there's paths that you will encounter. And I think that's part of the unstuck. The unstuck is that uh, when you are pursuing certain projects and sometimes they look, you know, trust me, I have a pretty ambitious uh, mind. So mine seem to always be like, in like very expanse, and I sometimes I think, uh, why, like, why, why, why mine are so? I it, love it. Yeah, you well, gotta go big. <laughs> it's always big. The problem is like I, I act in both levels. I can go big, and I also act on it. So I think both having those two levels is important to be able to think big and broad, to go deep, but also to act. But then the right. acting becomes more challenging when they're so big. Yes. But then, but then the question is. Um, you need to do it because that's where, that, that is the search. The search yeah. is when you get into those energetic projects and you know that everything in your body is just saying, this is just so right. right. And, and, that's, and I think that's what it all comes down to. When you, when you feel it, you feel that this is what your, your time and your intention needs to pay right. attention to. And therein lies the circle of the frequency because once you get into that flow, you've got that energy within you, which goes out into the universe and tracks back to you what you're looking for or yeah. what your, 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 you know, your client or your quest or whatever it might be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It makes complete sense. I think it works in every level. I think it's porous as well. It's, it's, you know, the richness and we love to separate, you know, business and clients because the world likes to separate. They like to categorize. Mm -hmm. Are we in business? Are we in, in life? That's linear. I, it's linear. We are, this is business. In business, you don't do, you'd be very surprised. You know, the, I'm like this in business as I am in life. And I am with my kids and my friends. I, you know, you know, I might tone some things down, but that's pretty much it. And it, that's the beauty. It flows right through. You know, it's, it's, it flows right through. It's the passion and you can feel it. You, and it yeah. But it's dimensional. It enriches every layer because mm -hmm. my clients also want conversations that are much more interesting in the sense of seeing more dimensionally and seeing further what's mm -hmm. happening. It's never about just what they think they need. Many times they come to us with a need and we realize that is not even what you need. You do not need this. You, 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 you asked us for this because that's what everybody else is doing or it's a preconception. And I think that that is what's always exciting for us as well. Yes, it's unpacking. It's, you know, it's, just helping them discover what it is they really need when they- Actually, it's revealing. Ah, so, thank you. So it's even more profound because you reveal them, you reveal, so you can reveal it in very simple things like in a project, but then you reveal essence 
and then you reveal identity. And it all comes back to that flow and that uh, connectivity that we were talking about. Yes, yes, absolutely beautiful. I love it. Well, what is your greatest source of authentic inspiration? Oh. <laughs> Do we need to write a book now? <laughs> I almost, almost, because, you know, I'm, I'm highly excitable. Uh, <laughs> I'm kids, That's what I love well, about you. <laughs> but my kids normally tell me while we're walking and they're talking to me and I suddenly say, uh, yeah. oh my God, this is so amazing. Um, my source of inspiration, um, there's so many. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to turn it around. Okay. I think the reason... Because my source of inspiration, the reason is that I feel life profoundly. So mm -hmm. my source of inspiration isn't what's out there, but it's the how. It's the fact that because I feel so profoundly, I can get incredibly joyous or incredibly inspired by very little things. Um, that, you know, sometimes it's a word in a poem. So we talked about it, but... Sometimes it's a the perfect combination of words. In uh, one case, it was beautiful emptiness, by mm -hmm. which that, that combination, the idea of beautiful and the idea of emptiness, got me into an entire journey of three years by which I started to design a house. <laughs> really? And that was the manifestation of life. So, and it was a very small. It was all about small and connectivity. So many times it's just maybe it's just it's a doorway it's so i think it's about less about what inspires me but how can i make it how can i make things that come to me remain keep on triggering that inspiration right. and it's and so that that's that sensibility that connectivity to me to be connected to me then things that come to me just inspire me and it could be a trip it could be you know Sometimes in a Vietnamese, uh, in Vietnam, a woman that had like all black teeth, you know, and, and smiled by a hundred year old was an amazing inspiration to my soul. And it just shifts. Right, right. It's, it's life and, and the world. Yes. It's, it's life. It's the world. It's, it's gestures. Sometimes it's just a gesture. Sometimes it is a protest. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's, human rights in, in my soul. I'm very much about social justice. So sometimes it's somebody's word for the right cause. Right. As much as it, it is, you know, a very subtle, subtle gesture of generosity that might inspire me. I feel you see the world through the eyes of a child because a <laughs> child is, is naturally curious about everything. You know, when they're little, you can take them out on, on the grass and they find a blade of grass fascinating or they'll look at a tree because they, they really haven't seen a tree or a flower. And they're just like, Ooh, what's that? <laughs> That's how I feel because you, you, you see the beauty in it or you feel, you know, the beauty of it. So yes, it, it's just, um, it, it, that's how I feel that, and that's why I think you are so creative. So I wanted, I, I wanted to repeat a phrase that you have that raises the bar for what you do, I think, in, in, it was in your studio and your phrase is value legacy. Yes. Tell us what that is because that is very profound. Um, I, actually that was for my kids. Oh. And although I use it for, I use it as my studio. So again, I don't have a blur. My kids know, I mean, I, I, I separate my life and my work because of the attention I give my kids, not because they're separate. That's, it's, it's a question mm. of time. But my life, my studio, what I do and who I am and my family and how my kids also are part of what I do has always been important to me. It's not just mommy does this or... Um, so for me, Value Legacy has always been about doing the work and doing the projects that actually mean something to me because this is the only value legacy I will ever give my kids. Mm -hmm. If something bothers me, if I have a problem with the world, then I need to act on it. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to just sign a petition, send money. No. The, if, I need, if, if there's something that I want to do, I wanted to make sure that my kids knew that we actually have that choice, that same choice you know, of, that we talked about to do something and not because we have to. I am not about cliches. I don't want to change the world. 
I want to change what is important to me. Mm. You know, everybody else can change what's important to them. We're going to have a much better world. It's yes. not about using, I, I'm, you know, using cliches into trying to sell a narrative. Mm-hmm. I don't need a narrative, but I need what's important to me to be real. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that reality for me has one voice and that's creativity through, through my creative, through my creativity, through what I do, I respond. Mm-hmm. And, and that value legacy is to leave to my kids the understanding that the only thing that is important in life is value. Mm-hmm. And value can come through friendship, can come through, uh, you know, the things you believe, the things you stand for, and sometimes generosity or kindness. But you right. do have to act on it. Mm-hmm. And, and the way I like it, boldly and gently. Mm, I love it. The juxtaposition. Always. Always. So that's yes, that's that tension that you talked about. That's yeah. a tension. So that, that, in that tension, that's, that's what beauty lies in me. Always, in that tension. Right. In that paradox, in that contradiction. That right. balances beautifully and sublimely. Mm. So how important is gratitude in business and life? I think it's everything. Um, I think to be, you know, I've, I've, uh, I, I love the idea of gratefulness, but I love the idea of grace. Mm. To understand not only to be grateful about it, but to move with grace, to move with the understanding that, you know, there is, you, you're given so much, uh, you're so lucky for so many things. And all of us have gone through devastating things, um, and even for that, we, you know, at some point in life, that kicks in to actually be something that we, we, we're thankful for. But I think that's something you, you, you teach your kids and that's something mm-hmm. you learn from your parents. Yes. And again, I think, you know, in my case, my mother always thought while it was raining, it was a passing rain. So we were the only family left while it rained. And, um, and then that, that alone made me always think, well, you know, if we're the only, when, you know, maybe it's a passing rain. So I always think that we, we don't give enough value to what we, what we pass on to our kids. And those are the real values, the ones that will give them the true tools mm-hmm. to encounter life and be able to navigate it mm-hmm. well and with and healthy, healthy. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. nobody takes the challenges. No, nobody has, every single one of us, as a challenge, a tsunami. So the question is, how are you going to confront it? Mm. And my, 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 what I always tell my daughter is, if it looks like a dragon, go right through, because most probably it's just fall. And, <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe that's true, maybe not. But hey, it, it's better to think that it's a dragon that you don't want to go through. <laughs> right, right. Yes, well, that was beautiful. So tell us one thing that isn't on your resume or your bio. One thing, oh, this came to mind. One thing is when I was a little girl, um, my mother, I, I loved painting. My mother convinced a uh, artist, a uh, very well-known artist, a realist artist that never taught children to teach me painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would, um, she, my mom would take the bus, we would take the train, the bus. So this, this ordeal took us an hour and a half to go there. My oh. mom would wait for me for two hours in a coffee. In a, now it's, it's called La Boca, which now is very trendy. At the time, it was a very, very, was artistic and it was not a place that you would be with two girls at night. Mm. And two hours to come back, an hour and a half to come back. So three hours in total to travel to see this painter. Um, and the reason I say is one is he never sold his paintings. He, he was an incredible artist. He could, you know, buy an apartment with one of his paintings, but he never sold them. He kept them because he painted for himself. Mm. And, and there is so many things that I know that between the resilience and the, the beauty of my mother to make what's important to me important to her. Mm. And, and, and then an, an artist that took a little girl at nine, I painted with him for 10 years. Um, they went till I moved to Los Angeles and always taught me uh, my first, and this maybe is the end of it, but it's a key. And I discovered it later on. So there you go to the T.S. Eliot. For eight months, I, he gave me um, a canvas and I painted squares from white to black. 
eight months doing that, one by one, without a line, impeccably. So what did that teach me? It taught me uh, focus. It taught me clarity. It taught me patience. It taught me resilience. And it taught me not that long ago, when I came back to this, that life was actually a great scare. And I never realized till a couple of years ago when I had to go through my own tsunami. Oh my goodness. The first image is that I'm going to see black and I'm going to see white, but I'm going to see all of it and impeccably and beautiful. Wow. That's amazing. Only you could bring that around full circle. Vision. <laughs> well, it it's, came back. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I have four final questions that are kind of fun and you're very creative. So I hope you have fun with them. Uh, the first one is if your life were an epic story, what would the title be? Oh, hero with a thousand faces. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Joseph Campbell. I took it for Joseph Campbell, but that's, I, I threw what came to mind. And that's it. It's, the, it's mythological and it has many, many, many faces to it. Oh, wow. I love it. So what name would you give your character in your epic story? This, what name I would give my character? This is a good one. I have to think about it. Mm -hmm. I was going to throw the first one that came to mind, but that's because it's, it, it's a well-known, but now I want to think about it. Give me two seconds. I'll come back. Keep okay. Going. So how would you characterize your epic life? Uh, that was so easy. A total quest. A total, like, you know, I, I total quest. This one would be actually, I don't know the name of my character, but I know she's a warrior. I know she's gentle. I know she's compassion. Uh, you know, most probably, you know, um, actually, most probably, yeah, I, 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 the name would be too important to throw as is, but I know her character and I know her heart. She'd yes. go for the quest and she'd go for the full on, you know, odyssey, like the full on adventure. The whole quest. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. All of it. So if that's the case, I'll just call her warrior. And if, if you had an epic superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, very simple. So if you're going to call her, call her Shiva, because that's a Hindu. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know if it connects, but I don't know why it came to mind. And, um, and if it were a superpower, it would be to see, to see through everything, to not, not to see through, to see essence, to just see things to its essence. So it would be to see deeply. That would be my superpower. To, to, to find the soulfulness in people and things, to just see the, the soulfulness. <clears throat> that would be the superpower. Mm, that's so wonderful. In a way, it would be to see truth. <laughs> At uh -huh. the end, it would be to see truth. Yes, I, I get it. Well, is there anything else you would like to add um, to, to let our audience know? I've, I've got your links on your bio. Um, if there's any special projects you're working on or anything you would like to share, you could uh, let them know. Um, we, I'd love to share. Uh, we are launching a product line uh, in the coming months. Again, it never was about a product. It was about, it's a tableware that we spent two years working. Mm. And uh, philosophically, uh, it, the only reason why we did it was because we wanted to explore, because we did it once and it wasn't good enough. And we wanted to do it again. And it was about enough is plenty. That little, sometimes one object that has soulfulness um, is the only thing we need. And mm -hmm. the idea of connectivity, of conviviality, and to share. And again, we're doing this because we wanted to explore and see where it could go. So this is one. And then we have a lot of social, political projects happening right now, which we're very excited and will are coming soon. Right. So can people find or can they connect with you on Facebook or LinkedIn? Yes. Up? Okay. We, we have, um, there's our site, uh, blogdesign.com uh, with a K, B-L-O-K design.com. And then there's Instagram um, and the new 
companies, the new product is going to be called Force, F-O-R-S Studio, uh, coming soon.com. And again, Force, uh, it's a shortened word, but it comes from Fuerza and Inner Force, and it's what guides everything. Okay, wonderful. We'll keep everyone posted. And Vanessa, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your amazing philosophy, your creativity, inspiration, and the value of imagination with us. And now Vanessa and I would love to hear from you. So go on over to my Facebook page and write a comment. Tell us what your epic takeaway was from this conversation, or in my case, it would be several epic takeaways. <laughs> and remember, this is where you imagine, create, and build a life and business doing what you love. Until next time, this is the Epic Vision Zone. Thank you.